Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so happy to have you all here listening today. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about letting dogs work it out, which is a little controversial. So I'm really excited to talk about it. But before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to tell you all a few things. So one, if you are new to the podcast and you're a little overwhelmed by all of the episodes, we have a search function on the disorderlydogs.com website. So you can use that search function to get through all 200 plus episodes to find the episodes that are most relevant to you. So if you are new to the podcast, use that search function over at disorderlydogs.com. If you have a topic that you'd like to hear me talk about, we also have a topic suggestion box on the Disorderly Dogs website. So you can fill that out. And if I do an episode that you suggested, I will be sure to shout you out. If you are a dog guardian who is struggling with your dog's behavior, we have several ways to help you. So you can head over to agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We have free training, training courses, and one-on-one training. So the website is a great place to kind of figure out how you could get some training support. Like I said, we have two free training courses, one for reactive dog guardians, so dogs who lunge, bark, Uh, lose it (laughs) at people, dogs, skateboards, and the like. We have a free mini course just for you. Maybe your dog does not have reactivity, but maybe you're struggling on some of your adventures. Maybe your dog's pulling more on hikes than you want them to. Maybe they're like losing their mind about wildlife on hikes. Maybe you want them to be good on a paddleboard. Maybe you want them to be good at camping. We also have a free Adventure Dog Academy mini course for you. So we have done our best um, as a team, me and Steph, to create a lot of free resources for all you beautiful people. But if you are struggling, please check those out. We also work with clients virtually. We work with clients in person if you are in Denver. So we have loads of ways to support you if you are struggling with your dog's behavior. In addition to the free mini courses, Steph and myself, we share all kinds of training inspiration over on Instagram. You can follow me at a good feeling underscore NCO. I've also created an Adventure Dog Academy Instagram account, which has been really fun. I've been creating a lot of reels over there. And then Steph is also on Instagram at Steph underscore click treat. So we have so many ways (laughs) to support you for free. And obviously you're here listening to this podcast. One last thing before I get into today's episode, everyone, if you have been a longtime listener and you have not left a review, it would be really awesome if you could. By leaving a review, you make sure that this podcast can reach other dog guardians that could use this support and inspiration. So wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, there are options to leave reviews there. So I would be really grateful if you could take just a little bit of time out of your day to leave me a review, a little bit of positive reinforcement for me. Okay, so let's talk about letting dogs work it out. So like I was saying, this can be a little controversial for good reason. So before I get into today's episode, 
I think that it's really important for all of you wonderful people listening that if your dogs are getting to the point of fighting, physically harming each other, maybe harming other dogs when you felt like you could just let them work it out, you need the help of a professional trainer. You need a consult with a professional trainer. This podcast episode is not meant to be a replacement for a consult with a professional trainer, okay? So if you are struggling with your dog, working it out with dogs and they're actually not working it out, maybe they're escalating, maybe they're scuffling, maybe they're fighting, please (laughs) do yourself a favor and hire a professional trainer. Steph and I both do 45-minute virtual consults and we would be happy to support you there. Okay, so I want to give you a framework of when I would let dogs work it out, when I wouldn't let dogs work it out, and some of the variables that I'm looking at, the where, the observational skills, and knowing your dog. But before I do, I want to tell you a little bit more about letting dogs work it out. So when I can, I will, and I want to tell you why. Dogs need to be able to interact with their own species, okay? And I think that humans do a lot of meddling, and sometimes we have to meddle, right, to keep everybody safe, but I am the first person to tell you that if the dogs can work it out without huge major conflict, we should let them be doing that. Okay. And I know that there's kind of been this, um, this fad in like the Instagram community that, um, dogs shouldn't correct other dogs. And while on the surface, I understand the intention behind this thinking, right? That dogs should not be getting corrected by other dogs. But I want to tell you from my perspective, why I think that that's kind of flawed thinking. So while technically it is a correction, right? Like an adult dog correcting a young dog, the intention of the correction is not this like malicious, Um, intent that a lot of times it is when people are using harsh corrections towards dogs, okay? They are the same species. They are genetically equipped to communicate with each other as a baseline. And and I really want to do my best to leverage that as much as I possibly can. And I also think from like a broader lens, we all are busy. We all have a lot going on. And I am the first trainer to tell you I am not going to micromanage if I don't have to. And what I observe a lot is that people are micromanaging a lot of interactions that we could have just let dogs work it out and saved everybody the trouble. Okay, so I think that there's a lot of opinions on this. This is a pretty heated debate, even within the positive reinforcement community. But from where I sit, I think that as much as we possibly can, I really do like to let dogs work it out. So let's talk about some some times that I would let dogs work it out. And then I want to talk about some times where I probably wouldn't. Okay. So an example of a situation where I would let dogs work it out is when I am dealing with a stable adult dog and a young puppy. Okay. So when I say stable adult dog, I'm talking about a dog who is not overly fearful, who is not overly anxious, who really isn't stressed. They're confident in who they are. They can interact in the world pretty confidently. And when I'm talking about a puppy, I'm talking about a dog basically six months and under. Okay. So just kind of give you a little bit more framework on that. That is a situation where I would let dogs work it out. It is important for puppies to learn 
boundaries. It is important for puppies to learn where they can and cannot push with a stable adult dog. Again, I know that this is not a wildly popular opinion. I know that there's been a lot of Instagram content recently about um, not letting adult dogs correct puppies. And I think that that is accurate in a lot of ways. But the framework that I'm talking about, a stable adult dog and a puppy who is not overly fearful, overly anxious, that is a circumstance where I would let dogs work it out for the most part. I am going to empower the stable adult dog to correct the puppy when necessary. A correction is not something that's going to harm the puppy, right? That might be a growl. That might be an air snap. I don't want the adult dog to physically hurt the puppy, obviously, okay? But I think that when we have stable adult dogs and puppies, stable adult dogs are worth their weight in freaking gold, Okay, because they can help with so much of the teaching and guiding of the puppy. So it's not on us. Okay, and are adult dogs technically correcting puppies? Yes, but it's not physically harming the puppy. The puppy is learning some really valuable lessons and then they're moving on with their life. I think that there's this fallacy that all puppies are horribly fragile and one correction from an adult dog is going to scar them for life. And I just, from my perspective, I don't see that, right? I've been at this for almost 11 years. I have raised a lot of dogs. I have consulted with thousands and thousands of dogs over the years. And for the most part, I really don't see that happening. If you have an overly anxious puppy, they're probably not going to be able to handle the same level of correction in which you should be consulting a professional trainer. But I think generally speaking, stable adult dogs and puppies who are not overly fearful or nervous, that is a situation where I'm probably going to let dogs work it out a lot. Another example of when I probably would let dogs work it out is dogs who know each other really well. There are always going to be exceptions to this, everyone, okay? I know the age-old dog training answer, it depends, is annoying, but it's very, very true, okay? So I'm speaking broadly and generally here, okay? So there's always going to be exceptions, but generally speaking, dogs who know each other well, who do not have a history of escalating to fighting, right? Fighting meaning they are causing physical harm to each other, that's probably a situation where I'm probably going to let dogs work it out. So I'll give you an example. Um, My mom's dog, Jasmine and Waylon, know each other really, really well. Okay. Something that happens when we travel together is that Waylon will be eating something high value. Maybe he's chewing on a bully stick and Jasmine will approach him. I let them work it out because I know that they can communicate without escalating to conflict, right? So Waylon may give Jasmine a hard stare. He may give her a low growl and Jasmine listens. She observes. And if the the script is flipped, Jasmine is also entitled to do the same thing, okay? So I think that there's this subtle communication that's always happening between dogs that we need to let happen, right? And obviously, if dogs are escalating to fighting or physically harming each other, we don't have that luxury, okay? But that's definitely a circumstance where I probably would be more likely to let dogs work it out is if they know each other really well, they spend a lot of time together, they have a really established relationship. That's probably another circumstance where I would be more likely to let dogs work it out. 
I am really fortunate in the fact that Waylon is a dog that I consider to be very dog savvy, meaning he had tons of early socialization with other dogs, tons and tons of positive experiences, and he's he's maintained that level of sociability his whole life. He will be six in January, and he is a dog who is very dog savvy because he's had a lot of good experiences with a wide range of size, breed, temperament of dogs. I am lucky because Waylon is so dog savvy that there are a lot of circumstances that I let Waylon work things out with other dogs because I know how savvy he is and how capable he is of interacting without escalating. Okay. And I think that this is something that no, you're not, not everyone has a dog like this. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But if you have a dog who's really dog savvy, you did a lot of early socialization. They spent a lot of time around other dogs. They speak dog really well. There's probably going to be more circumstances where you could let your dog work things out with other dogs. If you have a dog who maybe has a social deficit, right? Maybe they're socially awkward. Maybe they missed out on their socialization window. Maybe they don't have a lot of experience with other dogs. That's not a dog that I'm going to be inclined to let things work it out. That's a dog I'm going to support and help. But if you have a dog who's very dog savvy, you have more wiggle room. You really just do. I think that another circumstance in which I probably would let dogs work it out is dogs who are more confident, right? They're really not anxious. They're really not fearful. And this is something that I'm sure a lot of trainers would probably disagree with me, and that's totally fine, but I want to explain to you why, okay? So I'll give you an example. So Waylon is definitely a confident dog. Steph has Moxie, the Maligator, bless her heart, who is also very confident, okay? We did filming for Adventure Dog Academy, and Waylon was loose already, and Moxie got out of the car, and Waylon was like, hey, are you ready? Let's do this. And Moxie's like, no, dude, I am not ready, okay? So they got into what I would classify as a scuffle, so there was some noise, no one was hurt, they were able to separate themselves. That was a situation where there are two confident dogs who are very dog savvy, who we were able to let them work it out, right? We didn't really need to intervene. And I think that a lot of people are intimidated by that. And I understand why. I'm so grateful for Steph because... (laughs) She is not intimidated by that. She, I, I would argue she probably shares a lot of my sentiments in this. We were able to let our two confident dogs work things out without physically harming each other. And then they were able to move on and be just fine together. There are always going to be exceptions to this rule, but that's an example of where there are two confident dog savvy dogs that were able to let them work things out a little bit themselves. Okay. I think that Another situation where I would probably be more inclined to let dogs work it out is when the frequency of them having to work it out is not high, right? So um, I'll give you an example. When Waylon hit social maturity, so he's like one and a half, two, he attempted to mount Tiva on several occasions. His hormones were raging. He was like trying some things and he didn't do it a lot. Honestly, it was probably like a once a week basis. And I was always there to supervise and I could support Tiva if I needed it. But he would attempt. Tiva would tell him, absolutely not. You cannot do that. He would listen. We would move on with our lives. 
Okay, so that was a circumstance where it wasn't happening super frequently, so I was able to let the dogs work it out. Okay, I hope that this is making sense to you all. And I'm sure those of you who have owned multiple dogs for a long time, this is probably resonating with you because this is probably something that's just happened naturally in your lives and you didn't even think it was that big of a deal, (laughs) right? So those are some circumstances where I probably would let dogs work it out. If I have a stable adult dog, a relatively unfazed puppy, I would probably let, let that adult dog set some boundaries, maybe do some corrections without physically harming the puppy. Um, Another example, dogs who know each other really well, dogs who are really savvy, dogs who are really confident, and situations where the frequency isn't super intense. I also think it's really important to note that other dogs are allowed to tell other dogs no. Okay, they are absolutely allowed to do that. I think as a culture, I'll speak for the U.S. because I live in the U.S. I feel like culturally we are all so intimidated by conflict between dogs that we're so quick to be like, no, you can't do that. And I really would love to see a shift in that culture and awareness. And like, you know, if I have a stable adult dog and this wild young dog keeps getting in my dog's face, I am going to allow him to growl and tell that dog to bring it down a couple of notches. That is well within the adult dog's right to communicate to the overzealous dog to bring it down a couple of notches. And I think that especially those of us who own dogs who are perceived as maybe more intimidating or more scary, and that's a lot of breeds these days, I think we we take on this personal this personal like obligation, which we should because we're responsible for our dogs. But just because you own a German Shepherd doesn't mean that that German Shepherd isn't allowed to clearly communicate in a really dog appropriate way. Okay. And I'm really grateful for Waylon because this is something that I definitely am getting better at, right? Like I'm getting much better at just clearly stating why Waylon did something and why it was well within his rights as it pertains to dogs and dogs interacting, okay? Other dogs are allowed to tell other dogs no. Should they be physically harming those dogs? Absolutely not. But I think that we forget that there are so many ways for dogs to communicate that really are in an attempt to avoid conflict, right? So, I think it is really important that we remind ourselves that our dogs are allowed to tell other dogs no. They're allowed to communicate with other dogs, okay? So let's talk about some circumstances where maybe I wouldn't let dogs work it out. So if I'm working with a dog that has a history of aggression towards other dogs, um, I definitely wouldn't just let dogs work it out. If a dog has a history of aggression towards other dogs and they have physically harmed other dogs, they have been in multiple fights, that is not a circumstance where we can just let dogs work it out. (laughs) We just can't do that. To circle back, if you have a dog like that and you're trying to introduce them to another dog, seek the help of a professional trainer, okay? That's what we specialize in. That's what we're here for you. So I definitely would not let dogs with a history of aggression just work it out. I definitely would not let dogs who are unmatched Work it out, unmatched in age, unmatched in size, unmatched in energy, okay? So like I would not let a 12-year-old dog and a rambunctious one-and-a-half-year-old dog work it out. That's not fair. The old dog needs your support there, okay? And the young dog is going to learn some probably not-so-great stuff if we let them work it out. 
Um, so yeah, unmatched dogs, unmatched dogs in size. Whew, I'm really cautious about size of dogs. Okay. If I have a great Dane and a Chihuahua, I am not going to just let them work it out. I'm going to manage and be really careful to make sure that both dogs stay safe. Okay. I think that energy levels, unmatched energy levels are something that that's somewhere where I'm really cautious, right? Like I was saying with the example of like an old dog and a rambunctious dog, definitely going to be cautious there. But I think also dogs who are maybe similar in age, but have different energy levels, different play styles, I'm probably not going to let them just work it out right away. Dogs who have never met and maybe are socially awkward, they have a social deficit, I am not going to just let them work it out. I'm going to set it up so that everyone can be successful, okay? But I do think that really paying attention to the match of dogs, right? Their age, their size, their energy level, that should definitely be a, your guide when you're thinking about if we should, should or should not let dogs work it out. Um, in situations where I have an overly fearful dog, I have an overly anxious dog, I'm not going to let dogs work it out because I know that fearful and anxious dog is not going to be able to process that information and recover in the same way that a stable dog would. Okay, so if you have a dog that's really fearful, please, please, please do not take them to the dog park and just let them work it out because that's just going to create more fear and that's going to create a whole host of issues for you. If you have a dog who is fearful and anxious, please be really, really cautious in those dog interactions because there is so much happening under the surface for our fearful and anxious dogs. And I'm going to be really cautious that I'm not exacerbating that by just assuming that they can work it out. Okay. Another circumstance where I am not going to let dogs work it out is when they have to work it out a lot. When the frequency is a lot. I'm not just going to let them work it out because that's definitely going to escalate. Okay. Um, Another circumstance that I probably wouldn't let dogs work it out is if your dog has a long history of over arousal during play. Okay, so a lot of you bulldog people, bully people, you know exactly what I mean. If your dog has a propensity to get over aroused during play, you need the help of a professional trainer to help you work on your dog's ability to self-regulate before you put them in a situation with another dog who has problems with over arousal because that is very likely to spill over into conflict. So that's definitely not a situation where I'm going to let dogs work it out. I'm going to work on a lot of training and behavior modification before I would ever dream of letting dogs work it out. Another circumstance in which I would not let dogs work it out is when they have a history of conflict. Okay, so if you have dogs in your house that have gotten into multiple fights, this is not a circumstance where we can just let them work it out. If your dog has existing conflict with another dog, it's probably likely that I'm not just going to tell you to let the dogs work it out. Okay, so if we're not going to let dogs work it out, what does that mean? Well, we're going to manage. We're going to manage the environment as much as we possibly can. We're going to do parallel walks. We're going to use baby gates um, just to give a couple of examples. So if I'm not going to let dogs work it out, I'm going to have a management plan. And then secondarily, I'm going to have a training slash behavior modification plan. Okay, so I want to talk about some locations that I think are really relevant when it comes to letting dogs work it out. Okay, so neutral spaces. I find that letting dogs work it out has higher probability of success. Again, everyone, there's an exception to every single rule. But generally speaking, I find that on trails, on walks, at the park, 
Um, in neutral spaces, dogs have a much easier time working it out. Dogs who have a long history of aggression or conflict, probably neutral spaces aren't going to be as good, but still a better bet <laughs> than um, some other spaces. So neutral spaces are typically a place where I would let dogs work it out a lot. Okay. So something that has happened to Waylon and I on a lot of occasions is we'll be out on a trail that does have leash laws, but people are not abiding by the leash laws and an off leash dog approaches and charges us. I have the luxury of Waylon is very dog set savvy and I can let him work it out with that dog. If we were at home and we were on our front lawn, we don't have a front lawn. We have a garden. But if we were like in the driveway and an off-leash dog approached, I would not let them work it out because I know that Waylon would probably pin that dog, okay? Because it changes his perception of what's happening. So it's really important that we're looking at our dog's perception of locations as well, right? Because it depends, right? Your dog's perception might be different than what you're perceiving they're perceiving. But generally speaking, neutral spaces you have more wiggle room when it comes to letting dogs work it out. Somewhere where you have less wiggle room would be your home turf, okay? Being at home in your own yard, in your front yard, um, smaller spaces, spaces that have a history of reinforcement. So at our house, we've had, oh my God, we've had so many dogs in and out and out of this house over the years. Many of you who have been longtime listeners have heard me talk about um, the fact that we did a lot of board and trains. Ooh, so many dogs in and out of this house. And a location where I wasn't letting dogs work it out was the kitchen. We have a very small kitchen and that is a place where tensions could run much higher, right? And that's not somewhere where I would let the dogs work it out, right? That's somewhere where I managed really hard. Waylon has a very strong get out of the kitchen cue. He will stand and wait there. And all of the dogs that boarded with us over the years, they also learn that skill, okay? So um, on your home turf, in small spaces, in perception of value of spaces, that is not somewhere <laughs> where I'm going to let dogs work it out. That is somewhere where I'm absolutely going to manage and set it up so that my dogs have really good skills to prevent that conflict. I think somewhere else where I would not let dogs work it out is mealtime, right? Mealtime is definitely where I'm going to manage. Um, so many of you know we have a puppy coming into our lives soon. And something that is already established is when I'm preparing food in the kitchen, Waylon's food in the kitchen, he will wait in the living room. We have a mat. He's so good. He sits there and he waits. And I'm so grateful that I have that established behavior because that's going to be able to prevent conflict between him and the puppy because he knows that even if the puppy is in the kitchen with me while I'm preparing his meals, he can just wait out there. Okay, so for those of you who have just a single dog and maybe you're considering bringing a second dog into your world, I think it is really important to note that there are going to be a lot more skills that your existing dog is going to need to make the transition to a second dog in your house more successful. Having one dog in your house is amazing. I love it. Just having a single dog. It's been really fun. This is the first time in basically my whole dog uh, guardian <laughs> life that I've had just one dog. It makes things really easy. But as you start adding in second dogs, you're really going to see some of those places, especially mealtime, where you need some more of those existing skills to prevent conflict between dogs. As always, it's very important that you are observing your dog's body language. How are they doing? 
right? Many of you know that Tiva was an extraordinary puppy raiser. She helped raise a lot of puppies in her lifetime. And while I would let her work things out with puppies a lot, I would. I let her correct puppies. I let her set boundaries. But when I could observe, right, that her body language where she was quote unquote over it, her ears were back, her t- her tail was low, that is when I would intervene and I would support her and I would give her a break from that. So please do not misunderstand me in saying that we should just like exploit stable adult dogs and let them correct puppies all day and all night because that is not what I mean at all. But stable adult dogs can be incredible teachers for puppies and I do want to leverage that as much as I possibly can. Something else that I'm observing when it comes to letting dogs work it out is what's the recovery time? If there is some sort of conflict, are both dogs okay? Can they recover and come back down to earth pretty quickly and move on with their lives? If they cannot, stop letting them work it out. Okay, so I think that there can be compounded stress that happens between especially dogs who live together when we constantly let them work it out. So something I want you to observe is, is one dog tiptoeing around because the other dog is constantly hard staring at them? That's really good feedback that you probably need the help of a professional trainer to alleviate those tensions. We should not be letting dogs work it out to the point where we're letting one dog bully another one. Okay, consistently, consistently bullying. We have to be really cautious. That's not what I want. It's not going to be good for anyone in the house, right? There are definitely circumstances where we want dogs to be able to communicate to each other. But if one dog is constantly tiptoeing around your house because the other dog could correct them or tell them off at any moment, that's not healthy either. (laughs) It should not be like that, right? Both dogs should be able to move freely around your house without tiptoeing. And above all else, know your dog, okay? I don't know your dog. You know your dog. You know them the best. Learn to read their body language. Learn to understand them the best. If you feel like you are at a deficit and you're like, I don't know how to read my dog's body language, consult with a professional trainer. We got you. We'd be happy to help and support you. So something that's been really cool inside of Reactive Redefined is in addition to helping dog guardians deal with leash reactivity and, and reactivity other places, we do a lot of observation of dog-dog communication, right? Dogs playing with other dogs, dogs existing in houses with other dogs. So that's been another cool thing we've been able to do and support um, our students inside of Reactive Redefined is really helping them understand their dogs better, um, understand their body language, understanding their dog savvy or not dog savvy, helping them understand if maybe this circumstance is totally fine for the dogs to work it out, or maybe it isn't. Okay. So I know that the age-old it depends can be annoying, but it does. It, it always depends. There are always exceptions. Each dog is an individual. But this is an episode that I've really been thinking about for a long time. Like, this has been marinating. I've been thinking about this for a long time. So to recap, I think that when we can and it's not causing horrible stress for anyone involved, I do think we should let dogs work it out. I do think we should let dogs communicate, but that is not something we can do all of the time. We really just cannot. And that's okay. All right. Many of you know that I have a history with aggressive pit bulls. Sunny was an aggressive pit bull. Hilo was an aggressive pit bull that I shared my life with. And those two boys, we could not let them work it out because they probably would have killed each other, right? Like that's the realities of it. So if that's what you're living with right now and you're kind of like, 
This is a lot. It's okay. I've been there. I've done it. Um, if you have a dog with a history of aggression and you feel like you need some support, please reach out. It is my favorite. <laughs> I love the reactive and aggressive dogs. Steph too. They're our favorite. Um, like I mentioned, we do 45 minute virtual sessions where we can kind of get to know each other. We can give you some feedback and then we can continue working together if you need that level of support. All right. So everyone, if you do not already follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, I do a lot of body language reels, a lot, a lot. And I think that, well, I don't think I've gotten a lot of feedback from you. Awesome followers that it's really helpful and you've learned a lot that way. So learning to read your dog's body language is always going to be helpful, even outside of just letting dogs work it out. But, um, if you need some more knowledge on dog body language, be sure to follow me over on Instagram. So everyone letting dogs work it out. These are my thoughts and feelings on it. If you need support, please reach out. You can check out our website, agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. Everyone have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Reactive dog guardians. If your dog lunges, barks, generally loses it. The dogs, people, squirrels, skateboards, we have a free mini course just for you. Head over to agoodfeelingdogtraining.com, click free resource to get started on your reactive dog training journey today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.